Previously on the Glass Cannon Podcast. Let me ask you, what do you think happens when you die? I've seen you live. I've seen you die. What? How? When? Oh, come on, Della, no. Second attack. Della, no! Natural 20. No! With a times three critical. <laughs> Della takes 55 points of damage and is permanently... Dead. Oh my god. I've lived a long time. Oh, Della. Too long. He grips Della's lifeless body in his claws and flies out of the cathedral. Oh what? my god! Lork, are you familiar with the goddess Burgathoa? A thin man dressed all in black is coming up to sort of the head reaver and bargaining for Galabras' life. It's Brander. Willamette. So good to finally meet you. My name is Dr. Forsyth. Did you know you were a very, very special young man? And then Dr. Forsyth lays his hand atop Benrick's head to muss up his hair, letting his hand linger there just a little too. Oh, man, oh, this guy, God. this guy. Oh. How evil do you have oh, to my be? God. Well, dear boy. lays his hands on Galabras's head. You take and take and take. You just want to steal more life, don't you? My father was like you. You're fools. I've always wondered myself. Your father is no more, but hope lies in a mother. That maybe death is not the end, but rather a true beginning. The adventure continues in the middle of the inner quarter. She stands up and you see that her skin is like translucent, white, blue. She says, where is my daughter? (laughs) No. Well, here we are. Episode 200. Grant, Joe, and I came in on a red eye this morning from an absolutely unbelievable Glass Cannon Live weekend in Portland. Uh, I think we're all sitting on about 90 minutes of sleep each, and we're just hours away from a three-hour live Twitch episode 200 release party, which hopefully you just tuned into before listening to this. Even though I can't think straight and my body and soul are on their last legs, I couldn't be happier and more excited to share this very, very special episode with you all. This week's intro isn't about announcements and pushing merch and tickets. It's about celebrating a true milestone, a true milestone in the the podcast biz, in the podcast world, and also just a true milestone for the five of us guys You know, when I was in my 20s, I was really into self-help books. The Secret was blowing up at the time, but one that I started to cling to, um, it was called uh, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield, which is basically The Secret, but a lot more involved. Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, all of Tony Robbins stuff. All these books are essentially expressing the same things, the law of attraction and whatnot. Anyway, I can remember one of the early exercises of The Success Principles was to write down your life purpose. 
That sounds easy enough, right? 25? What's your life purpose? I don't know. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact wording of what I wrote down, but I think it had something to do with, you know, I want to use my unique talents as an entertainer and a comedian to bring joy to people's lives while also challenging and inspiring them to chase the life of their dreams as well. You know, as I got older and I couldn't get an agent, no matter what I did, and I couldn't get the TV auditions that I wanted, and I couldn't stay consistent with stand-up or writing spec scripts or staying in shape, all my index cards with my goals on them, my little piece of paper with my life purpose that I would keep in my wallet, they all disappeared. And that's what happens with goals sometimes when life just punches you right in the gut. They just, they get lost in the fight. But I realized the other day that at least for the past four years, I had uh, found a way to live my life purpose all along. Every week, I get to entertain people, make them laugh, sometimes make them cry, make them truly feel things, visceral feelings. But I also get emails and and meet people in person who thank me for inspiring them, whether it just be getting them back into RPGs or, or, or hearing what we've done to inspire them to follow their passions as well. I get so caught up sometimes in always wanting more, 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 that I didn't even realize that I found a way back to my purpose all along. So I went down and I tracked some of my old life goals I had set for myself. And lo and behold, without even noticing, I had checked dozens of them off. Fall in love. Marry the woman of my dreams, have a beautiful baby, buy a new car, write, produce, and star in my own series, pay back my college loans. Now, that last one hasn't happened yet, but thanks to going full-time here at the GCP, I am happy to say I made the first three payments on my college and grad school loans in over 19 years recently. And in just another short eight years, that 150K albatross will be off my back. Anyway, the list goes on. I just, I didn't even realize I had been checking off all these goals all along. So I, I, I guess I just want to say I want you all to know how much you mean to me and to all of us. You're the reason that we're able to live the life of our dreams, whether it be your kind words, your support, your Patreon subscriptions, your downloads, your recommendations of us to your friends, your attendance at our live shows. You have allowed us to do things we never thought we'd achieve when we were recording episodes in sweaty apartments hoping someone out there would listen. It is my hope that we can continue to entertain you for a long time to come. But I also hope that something in what we're doing strikes a chord in you and inspires you to do those things in your life that you keep putting off, rediscovering your life goals that got pushed aside. This is something that's it's important to me. This is why community building is such an integral part of what we do. I said it 100 episodes ago, and I'll say it again. We love you gals and guys. Everyone here stepped up and worked extremely hard on this very special installment of our podcast. So I hope you enjoy listening to, as much as we enjoyed recording, episode 200 of the Glass Cannon Podcast. Viva Lost Magus. The time has come. The time is now, the walrus said. (laughs) Ladies, gentlemen, Grant, welcome to episode 200. Oh, Oh, man. 
I'm sitting here looking out the window. It's Saturday come, night. Trying to come up with something to say. Trying to come up with something to lead things off. I'm looking at the skyline of Manhattan. Perhaps the greatest city in the world. And I think of where we started. <laughs> they, they know it's the greatest. The center of the universe, yeah. Matthew. You think Antwerp, Belgium is better? Don't knock Antwerp. I'll knock Antwerp. <laughs> I got a bone to pick with those Antwerpians. So bunch of, bunch of Antwerps. <laughs> Antwerps, if you ask Can't me. You say Antwerps? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think where it all began, episode one in Joe's apartment. That's right. We started recording. I mean, we, we, we launched this show in what, June of 2015. We must have started recording it in February or March. I February. Yeah. February. Um, so it was cold. Yeah, it was a no, Saturday, in, Saturday afternoon. Sunday Saturday afternoon. afternoon, yeah. Yep, yep. It wasn't cold in the apartment, to be clear. No. But he no. was off. Quite yes. comfortable within the apartment. Joe's was apartment a, was, was always of, off, temperature-wise. There was a lot of interesting things about those episodes of You Go Back, including, like, there's no, we'll see you next week. Mm-mm. Not for, like, dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes. Like, that, those first couple episodes, they just shut off. They just ended. Like, you know, oh, people right. were talking, and music just started. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, because I was, I was re-listening to some in preparation for this, and like it might have been episode four or five, and I was like, you'll find out next time. So that's when it started to begin, but then the we'll see you next week didn't really start for a while. A long after, time, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember saying, I can't remember who I said it to, but I was like... I feel like just Troy's making himself crazy trying to come up with cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I was like, you don't have to make every ending a cliffhanger. Well, here we are. Later. <laughs> this is crazy. Now, uh, are we doing, I feel like we got to do some champagne. We got to do a little champagne. Oh, man. We did oh, champagne at 50. I feel like we did it at 100. We got to do it for two Hondo. I think we did it at 100, right? We, do we it did. At, we, did we do it at 183 as well? We might have done 183. 183? Every okay. few episodes, we always pop <laughs> some, some Dom. Did Every, we do 52? Didn't we do... 50, uh, you brought champagne. I brought yeah. champagne yeah, for And 50, we drank yeah. it, and then and Della you, and Barry Connick Jr. did. And you've right. never brought it since. <laughs> Not Barry That's Connick right. Jr., uh, Ben Vereen. Excuse yeah, me. Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen. Yeah, I always confuse those two because they're both useless in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and both dead. And both dead. Both very, very yes. dead. What are we drinking here tonight, Joe? Uh, I don't even know. It's called Lamb. Lambrusca? Ooh. It's oh. Lambrusca champagne? Lambrusco, yeah. Lambrusco? Yeah. Well, it's, it ends in an A here. Oh, no. It's sparkling It's called wine. Lambrusca, and then underneath it says Lambrusco Russo. Oh. So oh. It's sparkling red wine. Oh, no. Yeah. It's red? Yeah. Yeah. That ah. sounds great. <laughs> Let's get a nice sparkling red. <laughs> there will be blood. So Did it's kind of perfect. This a, are you it was re-gift? a gift. Are you yeah. re It was a gift. God. I just brought it from my apartment. Well, I'm going to open it anyway. All right. Well, it hey, should still pop. I guess this is a new tradition. Red or white? Every 200 episodes, we drink sparkling red wine. <laughs> to the new tradition. To the new tradition. <laughs> oh! Even the champagne room, motherfucker! There we go. Oh, God. It looks disgusting. Yeah, nice pink. I wish you didn't tell me that it was red because I would have poured it and been like, oh, my God! Steven's <laughs> blood. Yeah, it looks like blood. I mean, yeah, it. it uh, Summer Lillian's blood. It looks like Merlot and 7 Up. <laughs> it really does. Don't knock it until you've done it. It yeah. really does. I mean, like, it's, it, it's like you had sangria. Oh, is it going to be like sangria? Because that's good. We'll find no. out soon enough. No, but... Is it going to be better or worse than Malort? I think is the question. <laughs> oh, man. Grant's been drinking Malort, like, before yeah. every episode. Yeah. He's just I, sipping he on just, He's I like, just I gotta to grab a drink real quick. And he comes tastes back great to me. I walk, in, I walk into the kitchen, and he's, like, furtively, like, pouring himself a shot of Malort. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. This is new warm-up juice. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Well, Joe, seeing it in that clear glass, it looks like a Protestant communion wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you get with consubstantiation. Guys, uh, to a, a new tradition. To a new tradition, to a wonderful, to a great 
uh, first 200 episodes. Yes. And to, uh, uh, to the next 200. Yes. Uh, cheers to, to my good friends, my good buddies. Let's do it. Let's keep, it, let's keep it going. Cheers, guys. I can't reach all of you. So oh, it's better. Cheers. We're cheersing with plastic. Cheers. That's why you're not hearing it. Yeah. Cheers. It's a really great audio. I don't know why we can't invest in good champagne and glasses. <laughs> we really do need more glasses. Sparkling red on oh, plastic cups. Well, we saved the glasses for the beer, which is more yeah, important tonight. Yeah, more important. Regifted sparkling red wine in plastic cups. <laughs> that's how we do it. Mm. We're not no, perfect. that's we keep our overhead low. Exactly. We pass the savings on to the listener. <laughs> pass the savings on to you. <laughs> oh my god! It is. It is a, an episode two hundred uh, uh, historical example of O'Brien rolling a natural one. That's true. That's what I was going to say. You know I brought four bottles. Four bottles of champagne. I've seen those other three bottles. I put one in the fridge because it just had a label on it. It's dark. I can't see what's in there. I assume they're all champagne. Nope. Sparkling red. Why am I still drinking? Why aren't you seeing this as a gift? (laughs) This is a gift. This is is so on brand for Joe. It's not even even funny. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's a good spin. I know. It's true, though. It really does extend beyond dice rolling. It's like, (laughs) if I can screw something up at somebody's party or, like, catch on a a cord and pull off a glass, shatter it in the middle of a party. No, this is like a perfect, this is like a failed uh, profession sommelier check. Like, (laughs) like totally (laughs) badly failed. Yep. Uh, There is a lot to get to. When we recorded episode 100, I had no idea because I'm terrible at planning things out and how long things are going to take. I just figured it'd be a long episode. And then we must have been over two hours in when I was just like, just just keep going. Let's just, we're not there yet. And and then at the end of it, we said, well, we'll just release it as a three-parter altogether. Um, I have no idea how long today's episode is going to be. We have a story to tell together. Each of you know your parts, and the other people at the table do not know uh, what the other person sitting next to them is doing. Even I am in the dark about certain things, and then there is always this right here, which changes everything. The best laid plans of any player or GM can be changed in a moment by that. So I think it's best if we just raise a glass one more time. Uh, I'm not going to drink this again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to wash this out true. with a little uh, pognophilia from our, our run friends of Wooden Legs. Ah, beard lover. Trying to run away from your mistake? Yes, beard yeah. lover. I would love some of that. You yes. pour me some I'm going to... It is... Uh, that, that's not open. It is a... It is. It is... Oh, and it's not. <laughs> I, it, that was wax I pulled up. It is... Uh, failed check. Another, another, another poor water check. <laughs> <laughs> poor liquid. Poor liquid. It is a bourbon... This is high C. <laughs> it's a bourbon barrel aged Russian imperial stout. Ooh. Uh, thank you so much to Seth and everybody at Wooden Legs. Very excited to have this. Yeah, yeah, and Skid's got a nice bottle of rum over there. I mean, this, this is going to get out of control. We may actually record this episode, or maybe not. Uh, <laughs> Part three will be recorded from the emergency room as we're getting our stomachs pumped. Like, what is this gross pink bubbly stuff? <laughs> There's no clean glasses, huh? I just got to pour it on top of my gross red sparkling. You know, Troy, you can go to the, the, the sink and wash a glass for yourself. Yeah, right in the middle of the app. <laughs> Guys, I'll be right back. Uh, vamp. <laughs> <laughs> or just drink out of the bottle. Drink out of the bottle. Well, uh, you guys pour some more, and I'll uh, I'll get there. I want to I want to just jump right in. Oh, okay. I just want, all right. You know, there there's no easy way to do this. Um, we've talked about nothing for six seven minutes straight. We do that well. It's time to get into this story. To get into episode two hundred. Imagine, if you will. 
we're in a forest. It's late at night. It's winter. Snow falling, snow on the ground, snow weighing down the boughs of trees. It's absolutely silent, idyllic, beautiful. A man trudges by, his footfalls muffled by the deep snow. In his arms, firewood kindling. He pauses to shake snow from his heavy dark cloak. As he does, his hood falls back, and we see a man in his forties, his face wearied, but not broken by the years. A man whose eyes burn with purpose. Unrequited vengeance, perhaps. He's played by Tim Roth. Ooh, oh, this is good already. Oh. It's Della's father. Yeah. Stella <laughs> Dawn! He takes a breath and listens to the quiet of the forest for a moment. Poking its edge out of the snow, he notices a chunk of branch and crouches down to reach for it. Just as he does so, the tree behind him explodes into flames. Whoa. The man drops the firewood. The snow swallows it up. He jumps back, fingers splayed, ready to cast. Then he sees it. The shadows shimmering, a distortion in the air, an outline thickening, a figure slowly emerging from the darkness. It slips from the shadow and into corporeality. Quicker than you look, the figure says. A woman's voice. Aren't you? The man blinks, squints through the darkness, but doesn't lower his hands. Come out where I can see you, he says. I found Gideon. This figure says... What was left of him? Stop hiding. Found Loreline too. And Yark. And Quigsall. And Jaquies. Could barely make out his face. He was so charred. The figure steps forward, shakes the cloak off of her head to reveal the pale, translucent skin of a Kyle. She's played by... Uh, what would you say, Matthew? I'd probably say Isabelle Hubert. Isabelle Hubert. Isabelle oh, Hubert. I know her. She's Isabelle Hubert. I don't know her. Who is she? Oscar-nominated actress Isabelle Hubert. I will not... She is French, but I will not be doing a French accent, by the way. I would prefer it if you did. I, nobody, <laughs> nobody agrees with you. <laughs> then say her name as if you were not doing a French accent. <laughs> Isabelle Hubbard. <laughs> Isabelle Hubbard. Oh, I like how you said that, buddy. That was good. Isabelle Hubbard. Uh, Don't call me late for Hubbard. <laughs> you know I want to eat on time. <laughs> she, she steps forward, shakes off her head, and it's a Kyle. What have you done, Mark? Those people... They betrayed us. They wanted you dead. They wanted her dead. I'm settling accounts. No. She's settling accounts for you. I'm protecting her. She needs guidance. I'm showing her the, the path of good, the path of light. The Kyle just shakes her head at him. As you well know, what's in the light isn't necessarily good. And what's in the shadow isn't always evil. The man's eyes flash at her. Do I know that? You're here to kill me, aren't you? I'm here for her. Just like everyone else. You betrayed me, just like all the others tried to take what's mine. She isn't yours. The Kyle steps forward, raises her hands, and a small current of electricity dances across her fingertips. Where's <laughs> Della? 
she's safe. No. But she soon will be. After that, everything seems to happen at once. Warwick mutters a few words, and an inky, blotted ray shoots from his palm while the electricity from the woman's fingers gathers into a single lightning bolt. The ray misses, but the bolt strikes Warwick's leg and passes straight through, igniting the tree behind him. He screams and begins casting once more. It doesn't have to be this way. She's not your weapon. All of a sudden, three polar bears phase into existence behind the woman. She whirls around, sees them, and takes off into the air to escape their charge. Oozing black tentacles erupt from the ground, ensnaring the bears, but Warwick manages to dodge them. He mutters a few words and rises into the air as well. The battle rages on, rays of energy just lighting up the night sky. The two spellcasters whip around each other, driving through trees, skimming just above the ground, leaping straight up into the air. I imagine, like, a fight from Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah, Dragon, yeah, with yeah. spells. Yeah. They are well-matched, and they know each other's strength. But if you look into the man's eyes, Warwick's eyes, it's clear he's not accustomed to this reckless abandon that she is displaying in this battle. The entire forest in this area is on fire now, flaming tree limbs falling into the snow. Warwick dives down straight into the blaze, but the woman is right on him, right there in the inferno. And she grabs him, pulls him in close. Enough. I'm protecting her! You're using her. She's just a child. He looks into her eyes. The pupilless, sheer whiteness, and sees that she will not stop. He wrestles himself free and onto the ground, and without turning, he just starts running. The woman touches down and, whispering an incantation, grasps the air with both hands. She pulls with all her might. The man's body freezes, mid-step. He just hangs there, his body entirely unresponsive to his will. Around him, fire, the forest ablaze. He hears her walk forward into his field of vision before he sees her. This has gone on long enough, Warwick. But the whole time she's still grasping the air, maintaining the spell's hold on him. You're a very sick man. Look at who you've become. Look at what you've become. You talk so much about evil. You know so well what it is, you never stop to consider what it might be. She steps back. He can't even move his eyeballs to, like, follow her in his periphery. Goodbye, Warwick. I wish, truly, I wish, the story had a different ending. I wish... Ugh! Warwick sees her body light up with electricity. <laughs> the current leaps throughout her body, lights up her skeleton through her pale, translucent skin. She turns her head ever so, like, forcefully to look down in horror to see a 12-year-old Delanarn <laughs> grasping her arm, oh. electricity flowing from her body into her mother's. Oh, wow. God. She yells her daughter's name through the pain. Her concentration breaks in that moment, and Warwick collapses into the slush. From the ground, he summons all of his untapped power and focuses it. A wind whistles, the flaming trees shake, and the air directly behind the woman tears open. The opening, dark, shadowy, empty, full of nothingness. The flaming trees start to bend towards this singularity. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then young Della just looks to her father as he's lying prone on the ground. And he looks at her and says, Evil 
does not belong in this world. Young Della nods and turns back to her mother, the electricity still racking her body. Della leaps into the air, spins balletically, and lands a kick in her mother's midsection, (laughs) sending her stumbling back toward the portal. No. The portal's pull tugs her mother in. The nothingness enfolds her, and she disappears. Full of energy, the portal grows in strength, and the fire from the trees leap from the branches and into its dark center as well. Warwick stands, begins a new incantation, twists his splayed fingers, and the tear in space reseals itself. (laughs) And the forest is suddenly silent once again. Young Della stands there and just looks up at her father. Well done, he says. She nods. Come, Della. There's still so much to be done. Della goes to her father, helps support him, helps him walk on his wounded leg, and together the two of them walk deeper into the forest as snow continues to fall. Now you hear the sound of water lapping against wood, followed by the creaking of boards. It's dark, very dark, but slowly we start to see a room from floor level and and the room is swaying back and forth ever so gently even from such a low vantage point here you can see that the the room is full of foodstuffs there's meats dry goods a few sacks of potatoes lying in the corner. <laughs> Are those holes chewed out of the bottom of the bag? You can't tell. It's dark. <laughs> Above this room, we hear the muffled noises of people yelling. Maybe they're fighting or, or cheering each other on over games of chance. A single candle illuminates the room. What? Somewhere off to our right. Stop it. I will Stop not. Stop it. This ain't episode 197. <laughs> Who is it? Oh, my God. And our eyes are drawn to this source of light. So we follow up from the floor and over to where a person is lying on a hammock tied underneath the staircase leading to the loud room above. <laughs> Next to the person on the hammock is a table with a candle resting on it. A couple of pieces of burnt popcorn lying around. (laughs) Oh my god! And in the hammock is Galabras (laughs) (laughs) By the, the very little light in the room we see that he's writing a letter. Dearest father, If you are reading this, I have met my end. Life has been hard since I left Absalom. But after some travails, of which I will not speak, I found good friends and a home in Tunau, a small town in the hold of Belkson. I think often of the disagreements we have had. I know your feelings toward the church, and I realize how badly you wished me to inherit your mantle of leadership over the Finstock mercantile concern. But please know that I have taken up what I believe to be a good and worthy cause, 
and I have joined the company of heroes every bit as valiant as those in the stories Mother read to me as a child. Yeah, we are. Please, we- no... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, it's good. I heard a voice. I had to mock. I had to mock, get my mocking in. <laughs> look, look what you made me write. <laughs> he erases it. <laughs> Damn right. I, uh. Anyway, <laughs> but just scribbles and it says anyway. Da, da, da. <laughs> Please know that despite all that has happened, I still love you with all my heart. I only hope that you may one day think better of me. Yours in the light, Galabras Finn. Now it's early morning. The brilliance of the blue, cloudless sky slowly becomes obscured by plumes of ash and smoke. What? Our view widens, and we see that these plumes are emanating up from the crater of a volcano. And lying at the lip of the treacherous peak is a child in a makeshift bassinet. For a moment, we think the child is alone, a familiar scene we've seen before. But as our view widens further, we see there's a small group surrounding the child, a cantor leading a ceremony around the bassinet, speaks up. May Torag smile upon this boy so that he too may toil at the forge and be hardened into steel as all ash peaks must be. And should he be too brittle in ingot, may he shatter into dust rather than live in ignominy. As it is said, it is forged and a small group of robed figures gather their courage to join the refrain. It is forged, it is forged, it is forged. A hood falls from a congregant's head as he attempts to comfort the crying woman next to him. There is no time for tears, Sira. He has been chosen, and we have been honored. He is the product of your own forge, and he is blessed among dwarves. The man places his hand on the woman's belly, as they descend the mountain. Hours pass. The baby wails and wails. Day turns to evening, and no one breaks tradition to show mercy on this poor child. Not a soul stirs for a long time. But then the air does. At first it sounds like the volcano is ready to erupt, but the rumbling sounds more steady. All of a sudden, black talons alight mere meters away from the child nestled in the bassinet. (laughs) Twin cries crescendo from the mountain's peak as the child and this drake scream in unison. (laughs) Where are the baby cries on Sirenscape? (laughs) Probably in a strange eon sound. Hold on, I have some on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Give me all of two and a half seconds. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear one more second of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you come here for the afternoon. (laughs) This, This drake just screams 
skulks towards the baby with a murderous glint in its reptilian eyes, its hot breath exuding from its nostrils and envelops the child. Saliva trickles from the tips of jagged, razor-sharp teeth as the drake opens its mouth and the jaws clamp shut. Blackness. What? What? <laughs> More I think time. you missed a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Something about moving away from the child before clamping shut? Nope. Uh, <laughs> move towards it. Jaws clamp shut. <laughs> oh we'll see you next week. Oh, no. <laughs> what a weird episode you under. It really was. You, got out of it. You, got, you did it, Troy. I'll yeah. tell you yeah, this. Right. I'll tell you this. <laughs> you never know what to expect from those guys. <laughs> they didn't see it coming. They should see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of theories out there. None were, it's going to be 19 minutes long. <laughs> we'll end with the baby being eaten. <laughs> baby being eaten. <laughs> They are innovators. <laughs> More time passes. And now we see the tail of a lava drake Ooh. whipping through the air at altitude. And, and, and you can feel the rush of flight as this massive creature defies gravity amongst foreign mountaintops. Then the drake plummets down in a perilous arc like an avian predator hunting earthbound prey. Instead, though, it lands safely on the ground in front of an old dwarf, his graying beard, full of rings. We move from the rear of the drake over its massive wings towards the dwarf, and we see that in the drake's mouth is the handle of the bassinet, with the ash-peak child resting safely inside. Wrinkled hands reach out to secure the precious cargo, and the drake releases the bassinet so that it may be placed safely on the ground. And we're off the volcano now. We're off the volcano. Yeah, he flew it down. He flew it somewhere else. Wow. The dwarf is like, Ah, Adriel, you have come. Of course you have come, as it was seen prior. But, ah, what a beautiful boy you are. Now, Wendrill, shoo, shoo. The elderly dwarf swings his hand at the lava drake, who lets out a shrill cry and then takes off. The old dwarf continues addressing (laughs) the infant. (laughs) Young man, my name is Crondle, and it is a pleasure to meet you, the baby coos in reply. The first calm sounds to come from his mouth since the ceremony. Crondle swoops the babe from its bassinet and holds him close, very close, cheek to cheek. Then he holds him out to look at the valley below. He's like, look at the valley below, child. It shall be under your custody one day, but that is not all. Oh, no, 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 no. There is more. With surprising agility for a dwarf his age, Crondle spins on a pinhead and struts away from the cliff's edge, only to find another chasm. A sharp and dizzying fall, leagues deep, ends in a pool of lava, ever-churning, radiating heat, and suffused with incandescence. Keep up, Joe. It's so hard. There's so many scene changes. Give me the lava burning. Give with, me the bubbling. With no warning. Crondle's <laughs> like, this lava that burns deep from within the core of Galarian, this is the power you must grow to understand. And you will with time, child. It is also seen. It is not simply destructive in nature, no, as many believe. Torag's grace spreads this lava across the surface of the world to forge the lands all life inhabits. Just like we dwarves, lava too 
had its own quest for the sky. Hmm. You will learn all of this in time. As it is said, it is forged. Ah, and on the subject of time, it is time to meet your master. <laughs> he turns with the babe and walks into a cave with stalactites and stalagmites lining the ceiling and floor. It's reminiscent of teeth. Like they're walking into an open mouth. And the dwarf just walks forward into the darkness and eventually places the baby down on the rocky floor. He speaks up ahead into the darkness. My liege, he has arrived. Meet Adriel. <laughs> A low booming growl emanates from somewhere in the darkness, followed by the glowing fire of some eerie floating furnace, perhaps. And then above the fire, two yellow eyes. <laughs> now, we see a city. That we. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Joe is very stressed. There's no lava I'm in this sweating. city, Joe. They really are. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's like Dante's Peak. There's there's no, Joe, not. there's no lava in the city. <laughs> Fix it. Dante's Peak. <laughs> deep cuts. Yeah. That's a good one. Or the other one that came out that summer. I can't remember. <laughs> there were two, is it called two volcano, volcano movies. It was volcano, yeah. yeah. With Tommy Lee Jones. Right. And Gabby Hoffman. And Pierce Brosnan was in Dante's Peak. Yes. <laughs> What goddamn city is that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's a city that we, and I'm talking about the collective we, not just the people sitting around this table, but it's a city that all of Glass Cannon Nation has come to know quite well over the years. <gasps> New York. <laughs> Antwerp. 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 It's, it's Antwerp. Oh, man. It's picturesque Antwerp. <laughs> Where are my twerpers at? Where are my twerps? <laughs> Please. Guns were outlawed in Antwerp yesterday. <laughs> you can no longer fire into the sky in Antwerp. Ow! In celebration. Falling bullets kill. <laughs> it's true fucking now. Oh! Oh, my. True. Who it is now as it was then. And we see a crowd has gathered in the inner quarter where not so long ago there was a battle. A woman coming out of the smoke with hounds. Yeah. People. Toxic clouds. Toxic clouds. Rocks flying over the walls both ways. Just. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Cats and dogs. But now this crowd seems a little more reserved and it seems that as if they're like slowly forming, coming out of buildings, coming out of their homes or other establishments and surrounding a person. We, we, we move through the crowd into the middle and see a woman clad in mostly rags with white, almost translucent skin. And she says, Where's my daughter? <laughs> Where is my daughter? Oh, Troy said man. it the first time. I yeah. sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Little did we know <laughs> we would end up here. That's the reason I'm not doing a French accent. Where is my daughter? We've already canon. A voice pipes up from somewhere in the crowd. Right here. <laughs> I'm here. 
Oh, 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 no, they're, everyone in the crowd is pretty silent, like, shocked, because this woman just appeared out of thin air, like, and there's, yeah, nice crowd sound, and there's, there's, there's stuff, maybe her belongings, like, lying all around her on the ground, and everyone is kind of in shock, but you hear a voice somewhere in the back say, uh, you look just like that deputy we had for a week. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I'm sure she's still alive and well. Uh, Troy, you must be so excited. He's been waiting so long. You know he's there. Oh, man. He's always where the action is. He is. Old Tommy X. Yeah, apparently the action is only in Trunau. <laughs> only in Trunau. It's just such a hotbed. Tom Exposition never leaves. <laughs> nice clothes. <laughs> Uh, After this idiot finishes his quips uh, His quips and callbacks uh, Wow, there must be a lot of story If you were to skip over that That's your bread and butter He just keeps going I'm like, huh? Take it right back to the shadow play Uh, Someone else starts to cut their way through the crowd Maybe a couple of people and, And the crowd parts And out walks Patrol Captain Cursed Grath oh, and Sergeant Omast from. Oh, man. Cursed has a short sword unsheathed in his hand, and Omast has a bow drawn but uh, pointed towards the ground, and they're walking tentatively once they finally get to the front of the crowd towards you, and Cursed is like, uh, Who are you? My name. My name is Metra Narn. Where, where am I? Uh, this is the city of Trunau in the holds of Belkson. No, no, no. What plane? What? I, I don't understand. And, and Metra, like, grasps at the dirt on the ground and, like, lifts it up and lets it run through her fingers. <laughs> oh. I'm back. <laughs> the, the, the dirt plane? The, the material plane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but a simple ranger. <laughs> He's drunk. <laughs> uh, He's off the wagon. Uh, <laughs> hang out with Omos. Could you just see him? <laughs> just loaded, being like the dirt plane. <laughs> you, you on the dirt plane? <laughs> Sometimes I drink too much, and I get really well acquainted with the dirt plane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Spent a lot of nights in the dirt. Oh, man. <laughs> dirt lights going down. Uh, Spent a week of there one night. <laughs> Curse, uh, he, he looks confused to the material plane. Like, they don't understand about planar activity. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Uh, people are saying that you just materialized here. How, how did you get here? I don't, I don't know. I was... It was a... A pull. Something I couldn't control. Something that yanks me here. I don't... Some source of powerful magic I don't know. 
she starts, and so she she sees a cloak, um, like a just a, a dark cloak on the ground. She picks it up and swings it over her shoulder. And as you do that, the crowd's like, ah! and they both raise up their weapons. I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm just covering myself. Relax. And it's this inky, inky cloak is as dark as like pitch black, the pitch black night sky. Hmm. And her face too. It's like she's tra- definitely like very pale and translucent, and you she has scars across her whole body. Oh, and a kind of a. A shimmering tattoo of some sort of tentacled creature on her neck that seems to be shimmering or moving almost at the same time. But once she puts the cloak on, it's like it's it's as if she's cloaked in shadow almost. Please, I have been on a very long journey. I am no no threat to you all. I'm just seeking. A bit of understanding about where I am and when I am. And when? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, you, I apologize. Uh, I'm just a, a little confused. They said you were looking for your daughter. You've seen her. Who, who is your daughter? Her name is Della. Della Narn. His eyes widen a little. I know her. (laughs) (laughs) You know her? You know her? I saw her briefly. She's alive. She she is not here, but she was. This is your daughter? I'm her mother, yes. I've been searching for her for a very long time. Across time and space and different, many different planes of existence. And now the crowd is starting to get nervous as you start talking like that. And so Curse uh, kind of leans in and is like, uh, would, you, would you mind coming with us? We, we mean you no harm. And it's clear that you have many questions. And I feel as if what answers we may have... Um, would best be answered in private. Very well. And she, like, raises a finger, raises a finger there, here, raises a finger there, and ver- various objects of hers that have been strewn across <laughs> the ground all kind of, like, zoom into her hands. <laughs> all the women say, <laughs> <laughs> she, she picks up her pack and she goes, lead the way. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> People are slowly dispersing, and uh, <laughs> Curse turns to Omas. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh, Omas, can you send word to my father to reach out to Halgra? She, she should be brought before the council. Omas is like, you got it. <laughs> he had a brief moment of shining glory, didn't he? <laughs> a hero of the, of the siege of Trunau. <laughs> a moment of clarity. A moment of clarity, exactly. <laughs> so cursed uh, walks you metro through town and you can see as you're looking around that a lot of the town looks like it's of recent construction um what happened here there was a a battle the worst I've seen in my lifetime but we prevailed thanks to some good people some heroes You'll find out more. I don't want to speak out of turn. 
and he continues walking you through town and you see uh, people sort of uh, ahead of you rushing into this building that looks to be like a kind of like a city hall type building um, and they're rushing in and uh, he eventually gets there with you and you walk up the steps to the door where you're intercepted by an older man um, who is like I'll take it from here son Oh, oh. Jagrin. Oh, oh, oh my God. It's Jagrin Graf. Oh, Jagrin Graf. That racist fuck. Jagrin <laughs> Graf. You're who, fine. Who played You're him? Fine. Who? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Oh, that's right. That's right. I can't believe you remembered that. I yeah. forgot that. <laughs> you know what? Bottle cap. <gasps> was a deep cut All right. I'll give him my left and right wow <laughs> they, are this, is, is this a uh, this is I an episode 200 I bottle that cap between my I knuckles. can't believe that, you caught wow, that you should get another bottle cap for the way you caught it <laughs> another <laughs> bottle cap for that great cap <laughs> look, look at what bottle cap you oh, gave me Troy gives a Troy bottle cap yeah, uh, he's very Tom Exposition right now you could sell that <laughs> <laughs> to whom on the eBay uh, he is uh, like I'll take it from here son and he greets you uh Warmly, but also like business like. Hello, my lady. This way, please. Hello, sir. And he walks you into this building that looks very, very old. Whatever happened here, this battle that Curse spoke of, doesn't look like it affected this building, uh, at least. And he starts to walk you down a long hallway, uh, and there's like pictures of old battles that look like. If you look very quickly at the dates, now you don't know what time it is now for you, but as you look at the dates, you see battles that happened long, long ago, and then other battles that are like hundreds of years later. So as you're trying to place yourself and looking at these things, it's not really helping you. Yeah, she, I think she, like she, her hair is like stringy and greasy. Like she, ha- it looks like, I mean, she hasn't bathed in years probably. She like wraps her, like that inky shifting cloak around her very tightly. Ingrahild level of filth. <laughs> not quite, not quite that level. She was great. She was. She wasn't she, under. She's not, she hasn't been under the effects of a spell that made her clinically insane. Yeah, it's true. How do we know? Uh, she's telling you. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's what, what a, that sounds like what a crazy person would say. <laughs> I'm not crazy at all. You're crazy. Uh, as he's walking you, you down, response to a crazy world. <laughs> <laughs> he's walking you down this hallway, and uh, he's kind of just keeping his eyes fixed ahead, but he does. Uh, turn his head to you without actually looking at you um, and says uh, I I only met your daughter once briefly you met her yes but she seemed a strong capable young woman I know what it is to lose a child and I would never wish that pain on my worst enemy I truly hope that you are reunited again I thank you. And he approaches a ornate door and opens it into a room with wall-to-ceiling, brilliant white walls. Mm. At the back of the room is a picture window overlooking the countryside. It's very beautiful. You can see a bunch of stones in the distance. Looks like there might be a market setting up there. <laughs> <laughs> the barter stones. Yeah. Metro like holds her hand over, over her eyes. It's, it's so bright. Yeah. It's too white. It's painfully white. <laughs> In the middle of the room is a table with several people already sitting around it. 
At the head of the table is an older woman played by a weathered Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Another Oscar nominee on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she got nominated for an Oscar? Several. Really? Oh. Good for her. <laughs> Before Jagrin goes to take his seat, he motions for you to sit at the chair at the opposite end of this long table. And he goes around, takes his seat to the left. There are several men and women in the room either staring at you or kind of whispering to each other under their breath. The woman in the back raises her hand as if to silence them, and they stop talking immediately. From behind the woman, a figure appears, standing next to her. A wizened-looking elf, (laughs) wearing long robes, played by Donald Sutherland. Oh, yes. (laughs) The woman says, uh, Welcome. I understand that you traveled from very far to get here. We are known as the Council of Defenders. For time untold since the city was built, a council existed to both run it and protect it. We are the current iteration of that council. My name is Chief Defender Halgra of the Blackened Blades. This is Councillor Agrit Stagenstar. She points to a female dwarf. This is uh, Councillor and Banker Lessie Crumpkin, as played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> one, of, one of several roles. Troy, just for everyone at home, Troy has pulled out a weathered page of notes. This is an old... Oh, wow, old, this is some old wow, notes. it's the original page. The only page wow. I kept from book one. Wow. This is Councillor Sarah Morninghawk, as played by... <laughs> Serena Williams. <laughs> Serena Williams! <laughs> it's only a matter of time before she realizes that she has a whole acting career <laughs> waiting for her. This is High Priestess Tyari Vivados. That's right. Also played by <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> oh, I love Miss Barbados. <laughs> such idiots. They're different movies. One is... One is... Like one, one is, is uh, one high fidelity, yeah. and, and one is the one with Sean Connery. <laughs> what, a Travis, right? Yeah, I'll never remember who's right. who. <laughs> You've already met Patrol Leader. I think Terry Barbados <laughs> is high fidelity. I agree. Uh, I think. I think you're right too. But <laughs> yeah, they're both Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny when I was when I was looking over these names. I was like, we never. Ca- I don't think we ever cast Agrit Stockenstar. So I was going to cast her as a CGI Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> <laughs> to be a dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> a mo- a mocap. All the mocap. <laughs> <laughs> Such idiots. Such idiots. Mocaprin Zeta-Jones. Mocaprin Zeta-Jones. Oh. You, are, you already met patrol captain, patrol leader, excuse me, Jagrin Graf. We <laughs> car- leader, goddammit. As played by Paul Giamatti. We car- I work for a living. We, we used to have a... A master of stores, but that position is currently unfilled. Oh. Master of coin. Master of It's called stores, stores here? Oh, oh, right. Oh, right. However, we have added someone to the council recently, and he points to a young half-orc or orc, you're not sure. This is Brynja Kelver. <gasps> Whoa. We have problems here in our society something that runs rampant all over the holds of Belkson where orcs and humans do not get along. 
Silvermane actually suggested that we add Brynja to the council to not only add youth, but to show this city that racial prejudices will not be tolerated. Brynja is young, but she has much to offer. She's a happy! <laughs> yes, Tom. She's a happy. <laughs> but she's our happy. <laughs> That's Tom. <laughs> He's also on the council, <laughs> by the way. He is also on the council. Is he actually on the council? Yeah. Yes, yeah. What is his position? Uh, master of nothing. <laughs> master of none. Master, master of, of none. none. Um, <laughs> Just without the jack of all trades. Right. The master of none. They said as much disfavorous as he's. I'm sorry. Right? Master of exposition. He's a master of cartography. <laughs> he is a master he of cartography. Master. Right. That's true. Yeah. He holds many titles. Right. Too many. He holds costs. Too many to note. Too many to note here. <laughs> What, uh, how, how may the council be of service to you? We do not wish to bore you with the long list of titles Tom Exposition holds. We can discuss this at a later time. He has a, he has a very lengthy business card. He, they, are, they are available upon request. Yes. He was grandfathered in. It's a long story. The long yellowed scroll of his title is passed down from generations of exposition. Um... Yes, yes. How, how, how may the council be of service to you? I'm searching for my daughter. Delinard. You said you know her. You said you've seen her here. Yes, your daughter came here to Trunau with one of our own, a lieutenant of our patrols by the name of Lork Iron Tusk. Among his traveling partners was a dwarf named Baron Redheart who we named Honorary Sheriff of our humble town after his impressive deeds did so much to save our city. With them as well was a young man of the cloth dedicated to Desna who had come here long ago seeking asylum in the church. Before we met your daughter, our city was at the center of a massive orc raid. Now, this is not uncommon for those of us who live in the holds of Belkson, but this siege was unlike any I've ever seen in my lifetime, and I have seen sieges both here and abroad. The city almost fell were it not for Iron Tusk and his friends. While we worked to rebuild Trunau, they traveled north along the rivers Esk and Kestrel in search of a, a fort controlled by an unlikely partnership of giants and orcs. Somewhere along that journey, they met your daughter, and she joined their crusade. After they secured the fort and defeated the evils within, they returned here. That is where we, the council, and we, the city of Trunau, met your daughter met Della. She kept to herself for the most part and spent the few days she was here acting as a deputy to the dwarf, Redheart. Following information and clues they discovered at the fort, Della, along with Iron Tusk, Redheart, and another man, traveled to the mine spins in hopes of foiling a deeper plot they had uncovered among the giants for world domination. That is the last we saw of her. How old was she? Sorry, I, I do not understand. Strange question. <laughs> My daughter, how old was she when she 
was here. Appeared to be 17, maybe 18. And you can see her just like jaw set, in, <laughs> like in fury. <laughs> the mind spin mountains, you say? That was the last we knew. Yes. If you'll permit me, that will be my next destination. I shan't trouble your city any further. And no. she stands up from the table. I, 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 I must say, I, I'm, I'm sorry that we don't have more answers for you, or any answers, really. We, we only knew her for a short time. None of you interacted with her? Nobody in this town has had any interaction? She came to my house! <laughs> she evidently came to Tom's house. For a map. For a map. <laughs> He's talked about it extensively. She had blue hair! <laughs> she had blue hair, according to Tom. Metra smiles at that a little bit. I will say, when she arrived at True Now, there were two in her party that are still here. What? A female orc and this young cleric of Desna that I spoke of. Where are they? I must speak to them immediately. Well, there is a problem. Slight. Sadly, the young man is comatose and incurable. But perhaps the orc can shed some light on your daughter. She is a, a seer and has become friendly with another seer who has lived here in Trunau for a long time. They spend most of their days watching over this young man in his home here in the inner quarter, hoping to find a cure or be there if he ever wakes up. Please, somebody leave me there right immediately. I must speak with him now. I'll take you. (laughs) (laughs) He's also several decibels over (laughs) everyone else in the room. I'm looking at the waveform and yeah, Yeah, it's it's just Tom exposition speaks. Tom, Tom, read the room. (laughs) You don't need to scream. (laughs) I get fired up. (laughs) It's very enthusiastic. Are there any other volunteers? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right, Tom. <laughs> Tom will take you to Gail's house. Again, my deepest condolences and apologies. I wish we knew more. But she seemed fierce. I appreciate you. Your empathy and for the safe passage. I will not travel this city any further. Good. You really? Because I could. Because I really. Because I really could. Well, you fuck really this place riled up. up the town. <laughs> it's going to take weeks Sorry. to repair the damage. Frankly, I don't appreciate what, it. What damage? I let it on dirt. You freaked them out. Well, <laughs> we're not used to seeing. Did you say you were just in a siege? But nobody just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I saw them coming from miles away. <laughs> Listen, just do what you need to do and get out. <laughs> Fine. I am tired of being polite. All right. <laughs> My patience is one thing. <laughs> Could have danced the stance a different way, but all right. Three different Catherine Zeta Joneses nod at you. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> a chorus of Zeta Joneses. Like being like John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> Zeta Jones. Zeta Jones. Zeta Jones. Zeta Jones. Zeta Jones. Oh my God. <laughs> The CGI one flies at the screen for no reason, just because they need to sell the 3D movie of this scene. 
<laughs> oh my god. So you walk out of the building oh, with Tom and uh, he and starts what? to walk you sort of back in the direction of where you first appeared. How did you survive the siege? I stayed in my house. <laughs> I hid under the bed. Very brave of you. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm still alive. Most of the children in this town are parentless. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Well, some people mock bravery by being brave. I mock it by staying alive at all costs. <laughs> That is the truth. <laughs> Mark, no, that is the definition yeah. of bravery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Survival at all costs. Are you taking care of the parentless children? Are you taking some into your home? No, I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to add an addition to my house for months. Do you have much time that takes? <laughs> I have to build a new wing to keep all these old phone books I keep around. <laughs> I heard they were building an orphanage in the upper quarter. I haven't been up there in a while. And what did you say you did again? Oh, a little bit of everything. Why, do you need something? <laughs> <laughs> I might be in need of a map to the Mindspin Mountains. A map, you say? Well, you've come to the right place. How about this? And he pulls out like a New York City subway map. <laughs> <laughs> the kind you give out for free. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got old lines that don't exist anymore yeah. on it. <laughs> it's got the V train. Yeah, the, the orange, <laughs> the orange Q. <laughs> this is BMT. <laughs> this has been my family for generations. <laughs> don't know where it comes from. <laughs> Mythical land filled of vagrants and urine. <laughs> I can't just give away this artifact. But I noticed when you arrived in town, your valuables were strewn about. Did you happen to have any gold? It's, it's very forward of you to ask. Why don't you just take me to this house and we'll talk later? All right, we'll talk later. I'll be just the guy building that wing. <laughs> You'll have to step over a few orphans on the way to my house. <laughs> but don't worry. They don't bite. <laughs> And you arrive at the house. <laughs> <laughs> this is Gail's house. He's been sleeping for a long time. I don't understand science. See ya. And he leaves. She imagine she's very confused. I don't understand <laughs> science. She was confused enough, like when she showed up. She didn't even know what plane she was on. And then the first guy she meets is fucking Tom Exposition. You think he'd be useful? No, not at all. Not at all. And he thinks Gail's just lazy. <laughs> right. Get out, you slug a bed. Oh, working very hard to build, rebuild the city. <laughs> Damn, Malingra. This edition isn't going to build itself. <laughs> oh my uh, God. My you, stomach hurts. You, <laughs> you know, you, do you knock on the door? Sure. You knock on the door and a uh, female orc, full-blooded orc, opens the door. I think she's full-blooded. I'd have to look at the stat block again. Yes. I'm pretty sure she's full-blooded. It's Droja. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hello. She is. She has a name tag that says Troja. Hello, Troja. My name is Metronarn. How do you know my name's Troja? It's your, your name tag. I didn't realize I was still wearing that. <laughs> I just finished my shift at Best Buy. I thought she just came from an Oracle conference. <laughs> just, uh, she, is she wearing khakis? Big Oracle conference in town. <laughs> This is embarrassing. Hold I'm on. on my lunch hour. Hello, my name is. <laughs> yes, I'm on my lunch. Um, how may I help you? You knew my daughter, Delanarn. Delanarn, your Della's mother. Metro nods. Please come in. And 
she brings you inside and you see a very humble house also appears to be a very new construction and she brings you into a room where there is a young man lying on the table perfectly still looks calm peaceful and asleep there is another man an old half-orc sitting in a chair towards the back please have a seat when I met your daughter I was a prisoner and she and her friends saved my life but when we first met to show that I was not against them I told them things about themselves she allowed me to look into the mists for her I saw her father and I saw you (laughs) I didn't even think of that you seemed roll for initiative (laughs) (laughs) locked in an eternal struggle for her soul I saw and told her that her father had passed but that you still lived and were searching desperately for her now you must understand Metra is it? Metra yes sometimes the mists only tell half truths but seeing you now looking into your eyes I feel as if this time they were correct Could you do this again? Could you show me where she is? You must understand, I've been searching across time and space for her. I believe we can help you. Allow me to introduce you to my associate, and now, kinky orc lover. What? <laughs> but she's very open with that. She feels very comfortable with Metra. Nice. Didn't see that in the mist. We, <laughs> we don't think it's Kiki, but you might. Or do you? <laughs> His name is Kertresra. Yeah, man. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, it is. Long has he lived in Trunau and possesses similar oracular powers to me. He stands up and is... Metra nods at him. Hello, I can tell from the aura surrounding you that you have traveled a great distance to be here. A distance measured not only in miles or meters, but also by time. As I've gotten older, my visions have been more seldom, but I always listen when the voices call out. My last vision compelled me to speak to someone in a home not too far from here. And seeing you now, I can't help but feel that what I told that man 
had father-reaching implications than I could have ever foretold and has led us to this very moment. Just then, an old elf, that same old elf that you saw <laughs> at the council meeting, oh, steps into the room from another side room. And we'll see you in part two. Oh, 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 is this the end of part one? The Glass Cannon Podcast is a Glass Cannon Network production and is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Giant Slayer is copyright 2015. Giant Slayer and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.